Hey everybody, welcome to An American F1. We are back. I'm going to officially count this as the new season, being that it's 1-28-23. Tomorrow we will post this, so it'll be 129-23, whatever. But basically we're in the new season. Our first livery launch will be on Tuesday, January 31st, which will be with Haas Racing. So basically we're invested in it. It's the new season. We got the livery launches coming. And we're getting excited. We're getting hyped, right? But even if, even if you are not a big fan of other racing series, there is a lot of great news if you love racing, if you love to see F1 drivers in racing. And there is a wealth of opportunities, whether they be former or current F1 drivers. There's a wealth of opportunities to get some little races in before the start of the 2023 2023 F1 season. And that would be with first we have the Rolex 24 at Daytona. That's really the big race. And 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 honestly, if we're gonna get started, that that race, I mean, you know what's funny? I always remember this race one because for me, the Rolex 24 represents the different things I love about autosport. First of all, you get a nice road course, you get probably arguably Endurance racing, sometimes you get the best combination of drivers. And you can find drivers from IndyCar, NASCAR, rallying, uh, endurance lifers. You get F1 drivers. You get NASCAR drivers. You get all this wealth of drivers in this series. And to me, it really, and especially the Rolex 24, is kind of that one where it sticks out. And endurance racing, I am a particular fan of endurance racing and I love the diversity of drivers that you get with it so I think it's great that it is coming up this weekend and it's always I highly 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 recommend you watch that um additionally with that is the race of champions and if you're a big f1 fan there are a lot of uh current past former f1 drivers that are racing in the race of champions so uh, you know, I definitely recommend giving that a watch, especially if you're big, uh, you know, if you like the bromance of um, Sebastian Vettel and Michael Schumacher because they're racing in the 2023 Race of Champions, too. So really epic lineup with the Race of Champions. And I think a lot of people enjoy watching it. Of course, this year it is taking place in Sweden, little ice rallying. And I mean, there have been the drivers this year, you got to think like, we have Sebastian Vettel, Sebastian Loeb, rally champions, right? We have Travis Pastrana, who will also be trying out in a NASCAR race this year. Uh, Mick Schumacher. We got Valtteri Bottas, Jamie Chadwick. Um, trying to think of anybody else. David Coulthard. And what was pretty interesting, Felipe Drugovich, Mika Hakkinen. I mean, the list is literally like Tom Christensen. It's a list of all-stars. And what I found really cool, too, was they had the... Um, they had the online race of champions too, so which they had legit drivers from esports racing it too, and uh, they they performed quite well. So basically, you know, the race of champions, you you got to give it a watch. It's it's always interesting. It's a nice, uh, yeah, Lucas Blakely, Lucas Blakely, um, a EROC guy, and just <laughs> pretty epic racing in there. But nevertheless, we've been full of Formula One news since. I last made a report, so I'm here to kind of try to see what I could come up with here and just basically fill you in on some of my thoughts. And I know it's been a while. One of the big stories since 
I haven't reported was, of course, Williams acquiring James Vowles. James Vowles, James Foles, who, of course, is our famous James. It's Valtteri from Mercedes. And, you know, I was when I saw this news, right? So when I saw this news from Williams Racing talking about James Vowles coming in, right, as the new team principal, and it's like, what will Williams be? And, you know, his first idea or one of his first statements when getting hired from the team is that Williams will not be, for lack of a better wording, Williams will not be a quote-unquote Mercedes B team. They are there to compete. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're there to make get back to the greatness Williams once was. And, you know, for a team that has been in Formula 1 for the longest time, of the teams, aside from Ferrari and McLaren, Williams is one of the teams that have been there from the earliest iterations. They've never changed hands. Of course, they have changed investors and team principals and things like that. And, you know, Williams is arguably, and I'm going to probably take a lot of flack for this, but Williams is arguably the shell of the team it once was uh, when it started as Frank Williams Racing, you know, and even through its, I guess, what you could say, what you could say, it's golden age, you know, when they had such great performances and great drivers and we're known for winning races and things like that and championships for the record but nevertheless what is Williams Racing will they get back up there I mean they are struggling to compete against the Giants there was that rumor the whole Gulf oil thing and after all that was said and done nothing ever really was announced so there is definitely a rough road ahead for Williams and we just got to see, like, what will happen? What will happen with Williams? Will they be able to get back to that success? And, you know, let's get real. They have Alex Albon, who is a great driver, and I think he's a right leader. They got James Vowles, who, yeah, at Mercedes, he was a legend in and of himself. There's no doubt that some of those performances from Mercedes, you could accredit to James Vowles. Or Vols, Vols. I'm so bad at pronouncing his name. I apologize if I'm butchering it. But with that being said, you know, there are still many question marks. Does Williams have the financial support? Do they have the facilities? Yes, they're connected to Mercedes, but it doesn't mean they have the proper R&D. We've seen Williams just get so close to being what they once were only to fall back. It's like every time they take two steps forward, they take one step back. And a lot has been made about how far behind that team really is. And, you know, they're going into it with another rookie driver, Logan Sargent, which is cool. He's from America. I I think I've been warming up to Logan Sargent. I think at the beginning I was a little more reactionary. I was confused, but I do think... I'm going to be optimistic, and I think that he will outperform expectations or will perform to expectations in the sense that he will perform in a reasonable manner. And again, a rookie entering F1, you can't judge him after the first year. you got to give him at least two, maybe three years. Um, so hoping Williams can get it together. They really struggled this year. And, you know, even with – I know a lot of people say, well, it was mostly Nick Latifi, but Alex Albon had some poor performances too, and sometimes that car – just frankly lacked the pace to compete so we got to see what happens we'll, we'll we'll look at it we'll see if this team can claw in and you know it's funny because you look at 
and I know it's the offseason, and every team, every team is optimistic. Whether you hear a statement from Alpine, a statement from Aston Martin, a statement from, you know, McLaren, these teams, Haas even now with Haas being able to reach the budget cap saying they'll expect a tighter race. Like, that midfield might be where the racing is at, where those battles are at. I think, I still personally think the only team to me, and based on last year too, the only team to me that I think will be able to challenge Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes is Alpine. And I'll tell you why. That car looks fast. That car if they didn't have the reliability issues they had, that car looks fast. And remember, they came from Renault, who Renault did not really struggle through those pandemic seasons, that 2020-21 season. And, you know, when they had Daniel Ricciardo on board, they, they pulled out some great performances, podiums from Esteban Ocon, podiums from Daniel Ricciardo. And that team is, to me, on the fringes. Even in 2021, they had that... Um, 20. Yeah, 2021 at Qatar, right? They had Fernando Alonso on the podium and Esteban Ocon win. Like, that team to me has something brewing. And I think they could be this one, like, unexpected team to kind of wedge their way in if they figure out the development of their 23 car, which, I again, is a big if, but I am still high on Alpine. No pun intended. High on Alpine, the Alpines, whatever. Um... But yeah, I'm looking forward to that team. And I think they got a great driver combo with Esteban Ocon and Pierre Gasly. I mean, you got to love the all-French team having the all-French combo. And I, I think they're they're making steps in the right direction. And yes, they lost Fernando Alonso. Yes, they lost Otmar. But Otmar was gone last year too. So I think there are... Oh, I mean, they gained Otmar. Sorry. Why am I saying lost? I don't know. I'm losing my mind. But they, I think they actually are making changes in the right direction. And speaking of... Alpine and Altmar Safnauer and drama. Uh, there was that little uh, incident that was mentioned not too long ago, right? Um, or, you know, obviously there was the whole Oscar Piastri saga. And I saw this news article where somebody, I, I think it was Zach Brown, where he said basically he expects Oscar Piastri to avoid the problems that plague Daniel Ricciardo. And, you know, when I see an article like this, I'm like, are you sure? Like, what is going through your mind with that? Like, can we be entirely sure that Piastri will be able to avoid those problems? Like, what makes Oscar and Daniel so different? I mean, yeah, I know Oscar has been around F1. He's been doing probably simulator work. But, dude, realistically, has not had much experience in a car over the last year. And I, I, I know a lot of people are high on Piastri and... Listen, there is no doubt that he is a talented driver. He's got what it takes to be successful in F1. But to say out of the gate, he's going to find more success than Daniel Ricciardo did, I think you're taking a little bit too much of a leap right there. And I think that's something that's got to be kind of... How would I explain this? That's got to be something that has to be reworked and maybe thought about a little more. Like... I think the expectations for Piastri have to be reeled in. I think that, again, he's a great driver. There is no doubt. He was one of the best F2 drivers since George Russell and Lando and Alex Albon all joined. Uh, but 
I think we need to take his career with caution. Again, why rush it? Why rush the development of this guy? If he has an okay year, it has to be accepted. I mean, we've seen we've seen high expectations placed on rookie drivers before, and some have prevailed, some haven't, and some have succeeded later on. I mean, I think we need to be measured with the performance, and it just makes you think like, you know, actually, I don't know why I was thinking about this, but every time we talk about Oscar Piastri and a new rookie driver entering, I start thinking about Yuki. And I know you guys are probably tired of hearing me talk about Yuki, but what will Yuki be in this next year of a driver? This is his make or break year, right? Like, he's got to prove something. And, you know, I, I really do take what Franz Toast says, and I saw that he mentioned too um, that. Mick would have been an interesting choice to go to Alpha Tauri, but there were other forces that prevented him. And, you know, that whole Mick saga is weird. It's very odd and strange that a lot of teams pass on him. I think Mick is more talented than people let on. But obviously, he did have his problems with Haas, and I don't think Haas was the best environment for him anyway. But. It was interesting to see that Franz Toast was like, yeah, we would totally take Nick. Nick, wow, what am I doing? I can't speak English today. Uh, He thought it was interesting that Mick would be a good driver and has good potential. And, of course, Mick now, being with Mercedes, who can help develop him, will be maybe a useful asset to that team. So, you know, these rookie driver sagas, these new driver sagas, you know, I think for Yuki, three years is acceptable. If you evaluate him after the season and find out, nah, he's not good, that's fair. Like, Yuki's had his chance, and I think he has. It's funny because the, 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 the sport of Formula One is so fickle in a way that you can be a good driver on pure pace. You can have pace. And this goes for really any racing series. There are many times where you see drivers that have that talent to wheel a car, at least in lower series. But sometimes adapting to the more challenging series, the more competitive series, is tough because some drivers, and I think this was a problem that Mick faced a lot of times as well, and even arguably drivers like Roman Grosjean, I think, was somebody that experiences too. You can argue Pastor Maldonado, and I know people love to make fun of their you know, tendency to shunt the car but I think one of the hardest learning curves it seems to be in F1 is knowing the limits of your car and that's a pretty big deal like think about it so like Roman Grosjean is in some regards a very very talented driver we've seen his performances in IndyCar we've seen him finish second in Formula 1 and score podiums in Formula 1 never won a race though but we've seen Roman Grosjean with talent in various forms of racing. And, you know, we've seen guys like Pastor Maldonado even won a race and Mick Schumacher score points and wheel Haas to Q2 in the rain in that shitty Haas, I want to say VF21. Um, at Russia, right? We've seen, was it Russia, Turkey? No, it was Russia. It was Russia. We've seen him wheel this car to some questionable things, but that you didn't think were possible. And, even though they had that wheel ability, sometimes they definitely try to push that car too hard. And when they do, that's when they lose it. And 
it's pretty evident that, and even Yuki, right? When you're riding on that line, you're trying to push that car as fast as you can. There has to be a certain line in knowing the car and a feel for the car to know this is where I can push it. This is where I can push it without shunting it. And, you know, drivers in the past with lesser cars, somebody like a Lando Norris, um, a, sorry, Lando Norris, a, why am I losing my train of thought? Lando Norris, even a Max Verstappen in the slower Red Bulls, right? Um, you could argue Sergio Perez in those racing points. Um, George Russell and the Williams. Those are guys that have been able to push a car at its limit and get the most pace out of it and extract the most pace out of the car. Where guys like Mick, guys like Roman have, Pastor Maldonado even, have in their attempts to push that car made grand mistakes. And I'm really getting on a rant here about drivers that make errors. And I again, I could go on... I really could go on a whole side tangent on why Roman Grosjean is both one of the best racers and one of the worst for so many reasons, but I'm not going to get into that because that, that, that could be an idea for like a, I'm, I got to make that a YouTube video because I have my thoughts on Roman. I'm not going to get it down now. And I don't know why I'm talking about Roman Grosjean in 2023, but I am. That's what I'm at. Uh, nevertheless, uh, it's funny because, like I said, the story that will never die is Andretti Racing, right? So Andretti Racing continues to be controversial, and it's it's escalated. That situation has escalated beyond measures we couldn't even conceive, measures we couldn't even believe. So what I found hilarious is one of the things with Andretti Racing is – so Andretti gets this whole deal, right? Andretti – announces that they have this plan for a Formula One team with Cadillac backing and, you know, kind of shooting back at some early FIA complaints that, and even F1, like, you know, if a team's going to enter, they got to be with reliable backing that can prove they're financially sustainable, yada, yada, yada. And Mercedes, um, Mercedes, and Andretti claps back saying, this is what we're going to do. We're going to make Andretti Cadillac F1 racing and the shit again blew up right so and it blew up in some significant ways where teams were talking crap about it and i just recently saw christian horner talking about it basically saying yeah there are two teams that want to support it because those two teams have some sort of backing involved in it either engine blah 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 blah, right so you get that end of it and then you get you know muhammad bin Sulaim, the head of the fia clapping back at the teams but then Suleim announces the valuation of Formula One, which then pisses off the owners or the team principals and F1 itself. So there's this whole mess. And you got to wonder. And now Suleim has had a horrible January. First, you know, with this Andretti business. And you could even go back if you want to go back further to the presentation of the awards. That awkward exchange with Christian Horner, right? So Suleim has this whole awkward exchange and and it goes on Twitter and values the company and, and then and then to cap it off, Soleil makes these comments that are misogynistic and it's just like, dude, what are you doing? There is no way as like you know I don't know, like people like to criticize the FIA as being equal to FIFA and honestly sometimes I see the comparison like 
How, like, what are the, like, ah, it's so frustrating to see that the head of the FIA can't get his shit straight sometimes. And I totally understand the heads of F1 being rightfully annoyed at the way this whole, and it's funny that this is spurning from this whole dialogue with the Andretti racing team. And I, of course, those other things were a side comment, but he's having a horrible year. And you got to wonder, like, is he going to make it another year as director of the FIA? Because, you know, I know people wanted a fresh start after the way the Formula One season ended in 2021. But, you know, you got to wonder, like, is this the guy to lead the FIA, the sports, the various forms of motorsport in the right direction? Yeah. And granted, he's done a lot of great things. But lately, he's just been, oh my God, it's been one thing after the next. And you just got to wonder, like, what is going to happen? (sighs) But anyway, it was funny that all the teams, like, criticize Andretti, you know. um, Can Andretti handle it? And people are forgetting, like, Andretti is a great performer in IndyCar. They have the record to prove it. they, They just won a Formula E race in Mexico. So, like... I can't believe that there is this much controversy and people doubting Andretti. I think, I do think if Andretti's going to get into the sport, Andretti's going to be in business. And you know what? It is true. We have seen many Formula One teams, both good and bad teams with immense backing, fail. But to some degree, you got to give them the chance. And I don't think there is anything wrong with more parity in the field. And I know. Again, teams are critical because there's the budget caps, there's revenue sharing, and all these different elements that go into it. And I get it. I really do. But in some degree, there needs to be, and I think Andretti is a great opening. And I think, obviously, there are other teams that have plans on entering the sport. Like, and, and from an American angle, too, supposedly... I don't know if this is actually true or not because the F1 rumor mill, especially on Twitter, could be anything. But there is a big rumor, too, that Ford might be joining up with Red Bull. Which, I mean, Ford hasn't been in the sport since, what, the the early 90s? So I think that would be cool. There is a lot of hype around it, um, especially with the new engine changes coming in 2026. So, hey, listen, I'm into it. If, for, if, if something brings more American teams in, let's go for it. Let's let's have it happen. I think this is a chance for Formula 1 to capitalize on it. You know, we have the race in Vegas, which, let's get real, we know Vegas is going to be the biggest race of the year, right? Like, the days of Monaco, and you know what's funny? I was kind of thinking about this, and I'll get on the calendar in a second. Um, you know, the days of Monaco being that premier race, and and I get a lot of people love it. Monaco... And I know people don't want to see it go because of the history, but Monaco could end up being realistically, uh, I mean, unless major changes happen in that city to that course, I think Monaco, I could see it being the way of the past. But the way street races have expanded with the fact that we're going to get premier venues in Vegas and we have a premier venue in Miami. Uh, I believe Qatar wants to add a premier street venue. So, as much as I love Monaco, let's get real. Like, the racing there isn't good. And if you're telling me, if I'm thinking from a marketing standpoint, if I could watch a race in Vegas, then Las Vegas Strip, or I could go to Miami and watch a street race in Miami with all the pomp and circumstance there, 
or even places in the Middle East, like um, Jeddah, like Qatar, you're you're telling me that Monaco is still appealing? I'm sorry, it's it's gonna end up being a way of the past, and I know people don't like to hear that, but I can totally one thousand percent hear that happening. But anyway. Um, speaking of the schedule next year, some interesting things. Uh, I find it pretty cool that F1 is considering changing DRS and enabling it to start in a, I think they're doing it in an experimental, oh, in each sprint race. That's right. In 2023, in each sprint race, they will trial DRS starting right after the start, um, a race restart or after a safety car and basically bringing it forward by one lap. And I think that's pretty cool because listen, I know we love natural overtaking and I do think last year DRS was way too overpowering. I did not like seeing those DRS overtakes down the straightaway. They are a boring form of overtaking, but I think it's cool that they are trying to bring it out earlier. I think it's useful. I think it will make things closer. I think it will make things more competitive, but at the same time, I hate DRS simply for that DRS train. I still think the best option for Formula One needs to be something like push the pass that we see in IndyCar. I think that's really should be the way to go. Uh, push the pass to me interests me. I think it's strategical. I think strategical. That's a word, right? Yeah, I think it's strategical. I think it's random. You don't know when it's going to happen. You have You have to plan it out and... I think it kind of does something like DRS, but it's more effective. I don't know why F1 is so afraid to look to other racing series. I I get it. F1 is the pinnacle of racing, but at the same time, you got to look at, you know, what's going to happen. Nevertheless, also sprint races 2023. We got Baku. Oh, I love. Now, should I say I love? I think it's going to work there. I think a sprint race at Baku will work out. Azerbaijan, I totally am supportive of that. I think we've always had good racing at Azerbaijan. I don't think... When I think the sprint race, right? So, one of the things I look for with the sprint race is, will the sprint race itself take away from the actual racing? And some people argue yes, some people argue no. And I think at some places like a Baku, I don't think it will. I think Baku is one of those tracks where it takes a lot of skill. It's both fast, arguably. I mean, it's a fast track. And, you know, you still need a really fast car. But I do think that it is clutch as well having the ability to weave through those circuits. And it does take proper – it does take the proper um, skill to navigate that track. And I think – I don't think the sprint race will take away from that. Spielberg – I can do away with the sprint race at Spielberg. Honestly, I think last year it was a good race, the sprint race. And then the regular race kind of was lackluster. Spa? Spa, I'll always be in favor of a sprint race at Spa. Double racing at Spa, you can't go wrong with that. LaSalle, Qatar, we're going back to Qatar. I don't know about that one. I got to take a pause on that one. That one might be interesting, it might not. I, I don't know. I... I'm, I wasn't a fan of Qatar last year, that track. I think it was a uh, weak circuit. So I'll hold my thoughts on that one. Austin and Interlagos. First of all, campaign Interlagos sprint race every year. Always. 
I think that is a great place for a sprint race, Interlagos. I think that is really where they should... If there is one locked-in sprint race, it's Brazil. Brazil, I mean, last year, obviously, it was amazing, too, because of the fact that qualifying was in the rain. But still, amazing place for racing. I love that layout. That is one of my favorite circuits. And so is Austin. Austin, let's get real. Between Miami... Las Vegas is going to be a shitty race. I don't like the layout. Las Vegas is probably one of the weird... It, it reminds me of a hockey rink with, like... But, like, somebody was, like, trying to draw it on, like, Photoshop. And then they, like, accidentally made the edges too long. And they fucked up. And whatever. I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, but I think that, you know, Austin is the best U.S. track. And that is where I would love to see a sprint race. And I think it will be the greatest place to trial it out. So... Yeah, that's my thoughts on the various news of F1 this week. I will get back to you guys next week. I know it for a fact. I will get back. I will record another one. We're in the new season. We're getting hyped. There's liveries to talk about. There's testing coming up soon. There. This is when the news is going to get hyped. We have Fernando Alonso wearing Hugo Boss Aston Martin gear. Like, it's in. We have McLaren releasing merch that shows blue. Could the new McLaren have... A lot more blue in it. I don't know. We have Red Bull teasing that they're going to change the livery, which we know they're not. But we are in for the hype. We're here. We're in. It's it's the start of a new F1 season right now. It starts January 31st when Haas releases that livery. We are in the new season. It's going to be hype. It's going to be great. We're going to start talking about it. Get hyped. Get ready. And keep listening. Tune in next week. I'm your host, Brendan Klein and American F1. Follow me on Twitter at American F1, and I'll get back to you guys next week. Thanks for listening.